Welcome to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine, advancing medicine through precision diagnostics and novel therapies. Every second counts for stroke patients. During a stroke, 2 million brain cells die every minute, making the urgent administration of therapies and treatment vital to ensuring a positive outcome. It is essential for physicians to be able to properly diagnose a stroke and start treatment quickly. You are listening to ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Jennifer Cottle, host of Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine. Joining me today is Dr. Michael Mullen, who is an assistant professor of neurology at the University of Pennsylvania. Dr. Mullen, welcome to ReachMD. Thanks for having me. So let's first start out. Can you discuss the signs and symptoms of a stroke? Sure. So the signs of the stroke can be multiple, but the things that we most often talk about, particularly when we're communicating with patients and trying to raise awareness, is the acronym FAST. So the American Heart Association really likes to talk a lot about this, which stands for face, arm, speech, and time. So the main symptoms that are being meant to highlighted there will be weakness in the face, weakness in an arm or a leg, and difficulty speaking. And then the T for time is just to remind patients, uh, as you mentioned at the beginning, that stroke is very time-sensitive, you need to act fast, call 911, seek help. So for physicians, it's, it's worth they should know that there are other symptoms to look out for as well. These could include ataxia or difficulty walking, diplopia or double vision, numbness on one half of the body, or loss of vision in, in a single eye or, or on just one half of their vision, visual fields. And so I think the hallmark, though, of stroke is that there's some focal neurologic deficit and that it's a sudden onset. And so when, when people hear that combination, then they should be thinking stroke. Wonderful. Can you talk about what we call the golden window? You know, what is the golden window for treatment of stroke? And has that window changed over time from your experience at Penn? Absolutely. So time is brain. That's the thing that we, we like to say. And one of the really important things to know about stroke is that there are treatments. You know, we have the ability to try to open up blocked blood vessels, restore flow to the brain, and reverse the symptoms of a stroke. But it has to be done quickly. And the actual time windows depend a little bit on the, the individual treatment modality. So the, the hallmark treatment, the thing we've been using since the late 90s, is a medication called TPA, or tissue plasminogen activator. This is sort of a clot-busting medication, and that can be given intravenously up to four and a half hours after symptom onset. But even within that time window, every minute matters. So earlier treatment is associated with better outcomes. So Although we can treat out to four and a half hours, we want to see patients and treat them as quickly as we can in that time window. More recently, there has been an explosion of evidence for a procedure called endovascular thrombectomy. So this is a procedure that's done in the angio suite where patients are actually taken and a catheter is inserted into the arteries going to the brain and clots are actually mechanically extracted. So this is for patients who have a large vessel occlusion, like a middle cerebral artery, distal internal carotid artery, the basilar artery. So if there's an occlusion in one of those major vessels in the brain, we can actually do a procedure to remove that clot. That has some real advantages. It can be done after IV TPA or for patients who are not eligible or present too late, it can be done in isolation. But it's really good at opening the blood vessels. So the rates of recanalization or, or restoring blood flow are much higher with these mechanical interventions. And the current guideline recommendations are that those mechanical interventions, thrombectomy procedures, can be done out to six hours after the onset of symptoms. Okay. Can you talk about, you know, what, what are the priority treatment considerations within and beyond this golden window? Sure. So I think... The first thing is just initial evaluation, calling 911, 
getting to the closest hospital, the closest stroke center, being evaluated for intravenous TPA, and then having people think about, based on the symptoms and the onset, is it possible that there is an occlusion in one of these major arteries? And if so, people need to be evaluated for thrombectomy procedures. And that may mean, depending on where they're at, doing dedicated imaging studies like a CT angiogram to look at the blood vessels to determine whether there's an occlusion. Or it may mean at smaller hospitals, it might mean you know, they may not be equipped to do those kinds of tests and to do them quickly. So it might mean transferring to a more comprehensive stroke center. It's also interesting that I mentioned we do these thrombectomy procedures out to six hours. And that's what the current guidelines show. But we are really interested in trying to figure out whether we can treat patients beyond that time period. And this is something that's very active in the stroke community, trying to say, is there a way that we can select patients for treatment out beyond the six-hour period? And there are some cases in really severe strokes when the basal artery, which supplies the brainstem, when that's occluded, we know if we don't open that, that patients will do very poorly. And so we may actually treat those patients out a little bit longer, but we're also actively engaged in clinical trials and research studies to try to expand that time window. And we are preparing to start participation in a research study that's actually going on nationwide that will enroll patients out to 16 hours after they've had their onset. So really expanding that window from six hours out to 16, but carefully selecting patients based on some advanced imaging techniques to try to see if we can help more people. Wow, that's amazing. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle, and I'm speaking with Dr. Michael Mullen. So Penn is labeled as a comprehensive stroke center. You know, what does this mean and why is this important? Yeah, that's a great question. So in the United States, we have a couple of different tiers of stroke care. So at the base level, there's a thing called an acute stroke ready hospital. And then the middle level is a primary stroke center. And then the highest level of stroke care is a comprehensive stroke center. So uh, here at Penn Medicine, we are uh, certified as a comprehensive stroke center. We were actually the first certified comprehensive stroke center in the city of Philadelphia. And what that means is that we are able to provide the highest level of stroke care. So we have, and and this is true really broadly of comprehensive stroke centers, but we have a dedicated team of vascular neurologists. So these are neurologists with subspecialty training in stroke who are available 24-7 to help respond to and take care of the stroke patients. We have specialty neuro ICU, so an intensive care unit with a subspecialty focus on neurologic disease, a dedicated stroke unit. We have interventional proceduralists, either neurointerventional radiologists and and or neurosurgeons who are able to do complex vascular procedures, including these thrombectomy procedures that I just mentioned. And so with all of these teams, we sort of come together in an interdisciplinary way to make sure that we can provide the highest level of stroke care. Okay. And can you also talk about really how and when a stroke patient should be transferred to a comprehensive stroke center like your facility at Penn Medicine? Absolutely. So I think there's a couple of different reasons why someone might be transferred to a comprehensive stroke center. The one very common reason will be for acute stroke therapies. So if someone is presenting to the hospital within that first six hours after they've had a stroke and they're treated with intravenous TPA, not all hospitals are equipped and prepared to care for someone after they've received that blood thinning medication. And so 
Sometimes if, if someone is at a hospital, the emergency room might be able to actually administer the drug, but then it might be reasonable to transfer to a more comprehensive center for evaluation, monitoring, and, and further workup and treatment of the stroke after the treatment has begun. The other big thing is thrombectomy. So I mentioned that when there is a large vessel that's occluded, we can do this procedure, endovascular thrombectomy, to try to remove that clot and restore blood flow to the brain. And that's a procedure that is not available at most primary stroke centers. So typically when someone has one of those occlusions or there's suspicion that they might have one of those occlusions, it's very appropriate to transfer them to a comprehensive stroke center like Pet Medicine to consider treatment. And then other reasons why someone might be transferred would be if someone has a very severe stroke, a large stroke, sometimes they can run into problems with increased intracranial pressure or other medical complications, and a sort of multidisciplinary team with stroke and neurocritical care and neurosurgery may be better for those patients. So sometimes just more severe disease should come to us. And then the final reason would be, you know, with stroke, it's often important to try to figure out why did it happen. And that is often difficult. And a lot of times in stroke, we actually can't identify exactly why it occurred. We end up calling those cryptogenic strokes. And so I think there is some role as a comprehensive stroke center to be available to help see those patients and help try to really make sure that they've had a very thorough evaluation, that all the tests that need to be done have been done, that, that we've done everything we can to try to identify why the stroke happened and to try to prevent another stroke from occurring. And so those are patients who might be transferred to us in the acute setting, you know, because the doctors that are caring for them have I feel like they would benefit from, from the expertise at a comprehensive center. Or we actually see outpatient referrals for patients like that quite frequently. So sometimes patients will be treated in another facility, but there's still some uncertainty about what the cause of the stroke was or what the best secondary prevention regimen is. And so we're happy to see those patients in, a, in an outpatient setting as well to sort of go through their case and try to help see if we can figure things out. Wonderful. You know, well, finally today, can you, can you discuss what emerging treatments are on the horizon for Penn Medicine? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we at Penn Medicine are very heavily involved in stroke research, and I think that this is a really, really important aspect of stroke care. So we have some very effective treatments for stroke, but we still know that a lot of patients who have stroke will have residual disability, and um, it's our goal to try to help develop new treatments to prevent stroke and to help patients recover from stroke. And so that means doing clinical trials and doing clinical research, and so that's a big part of what we do here. I'll highlight just a couple, I think, that, that could be important or a few broad topics. So we are engaged in some acute stroke therapies where we're trying to do treatments like this endovascular thrombectomy out beyond that six-hour window I mentioned earlier. We, we are going to be starting up a study soon that's going to allow us in selected patients to treat up to 16 hours. So we're very excited about that because that has the potential to get these effective treatments and, and broaden it to a much wider population of patients. We're also actively engaged in a number of secondary prevention trials where we try to figure out new ways to prevent stroke from occurring for patients who have cryptogenic or unexplained stroke. We're also involved in a trial for patients who have carotid narrowing to try to see if we can figure out the best way to treat that carotid disease. And we're also actively engaged in recovery trials. So trying to say, okay, well, the stroke has happened, but what can we do to try to facilitate recovery? And, and that includes everything from walking therapy for stroke survivors to things like stem cells. That's great. I think this was a very interesting interview, and I want to ask you before we close, is there anything else that you would like to add or anything we didn't touch on already? 
No, I think that that's actually pretty comprehensive. I mean, I think the maybe the only other thing to say would be, you know, we here at Penn Medicine want to be available, right? And so certainly we're here in, in the 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year to try to help care for stroke patients, whether it be on the acute inpatient side or trying to help see patients on the outpatient side. That's wonderful. Well, many thanks to our guest, Dr. Michael Mullen, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. I am your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle. To access this episode and others in the series and to download the ReachMD app, please visit us at ReachMD.com. We encourage you to leave comments and share this program with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine. To download this podcast or to access others in the series, please visit ReachMD.com slash Penn and visit Penn Physician Link, an exclusive program that helps referring physicians connect with Penn. Here you can find education resources, information about our expedited referral process, and communication tools. To learn more, visit www.PennMedicine.org slash Physician Link. Thank you for listening.